Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for your review of the 1-0 win against Aston Villa in the FA Cup. We have actually won the match, Josh. Um, a lot of people, you do go online um, and read in sort of match reports and everything about the performance. Um, you would think we were knocked out like Arsenal and no longer in the fourth round, but we are playing Middlesbrough. I'm not sure when, when the date is, but we have qualified. So if you are happy, if you have tuned in and you are happy with um, a victory and progression in the Cup, Please do leave a like on the video, and if you could subscribe, that would be great. If you are new and you have read the title, and we're talking about McTominay captain, don't shoot us. We're just got, we're not saying Scott McTominay should be the Manchester United captain. We're just going to discuss the Ralph Rangnick comments. Okay, so don't lose your head just yet. But if you could like the video, if you're happy with the result, please do um, leave a like. Um, Josh, good day, mate. Always a little bit better when United win, regardless of the performance. Just talking about the win. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. It, I mean, we obviously won the game. That just doesn't feel like it. I don't know if that's just with people complaining on Twitter, social media, even the people I was watching the game with this morning, it just doesn't feel like we won it. But, you know, it's a, it's a knockout tournament. You don't really look to the performance most of the time. It's just about getting through to the next round, and we've just, done just that. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, some guys in the chat here will say good day too before we get started. Trev, evening lads, um, he shouldn't be next captain, don't even think he's good enough to start half the time. Well, that's part of the discussion, which is why I'm such a big fan of him, but I'll allude to not giving him the captaincy, but definitely part of the discussion. Matt, good to see you, mate. Hope you're keeping well. Jamie, over from Ireland, glad to be discussing a win, but many areas to improve upon, definitely agree. And um, good evening, guys, from George. Always great to see you get, get a win over Gerard. Actually, just want to bring something up in regards to Gerard. This has caused a lot of outrage amongst Man United fans on social media saying we shouldn't be allowed to celebrate this thing. But I want to throw it in there. The highlight of the day for me, just this photo here I'll throw up for you, um, Josh. What a photo that is. Mike Phelan, whatever you think of Mike Phelan, if you can't enjoy that photo and Stephen Gerrard getting knocked out at the FA Cup at Old Trafford, Man United and football is not for you. Fantastic, isn't it? I actually just saw it probably about an hour ago. I think I saw it on one of the group pages. Uh, but it's great. It's typically my feeling as well. It's a typical feeling reaction. Seen it many times before. But it just so happens that Gerard's in it. It's great. Look, he, there's not many games. I mean, he's lost, he lost many games at Old Trafford as a Liverpool player. But I don't think many games have lost where his team have played as well as they've done tonight as well, where they probably arguably could have won the game. So I'm not complaining. Happy he's like that. Yeah, definitely all we'll enjoy it while we can because we do obviously face Stephen Gerrard and Aston Villa in a couple of days. Um, we'll definitely be previewing that in a couple of days, but just a couple more in the chat, Paul. Good to see you, mate. Justin here from the Supporters Club. Don't know what's going on with Rashford. Definitely do, going to be discussing Rashford at length in a little bit. And, um, yeah, definitely. Rashford. I don't know where to start, but I'm at also here. Evening, Tom and Josh and Fellow. It's always good to see you, mate. So we will get straight into it pretty much. And whenever we start a match review, it's all always about team selection. And if this one person isn't in the team selection, he's going to dominate the discussion. Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't involved, wasn't even in the squad. Now, a lot of it, Ralph Rangie has come out and said he's sort of carrying a slight knock and it was almost Ronaldo's decision just to sort of stand back on this game and just sort of be, just sort of take care a little bit. And this is the argument we all had when Ronaldo signed. We said we need to be careful. Okay, we're going to be frustrated when he doesn't play. But some games at home in the third round of the FA Cup is probably one of the games Ronaldo's not going to play. But as usual, Twitter did lose its head when he wasn't involved. But there's an argument that maybe attackingly, in terms of the way we performed in the first half, especially that first half of the first half, we played quite well without Ronaldo. So just your thoughts on Ronaldo not playing and also how the team was affected by it or not affected. I don't think they were affected that much, by in all honesty. I, I think you'd get a bigger reaction if he was on the bench for it, considering how he played, you know, how the game panned out. Um, but look, if he's injured and he's carrying an arc, you don't want to aggravate it. There's some important games coming up in the league and 
obviously the championship, you know, mid-February, champion, Champions League, should I say, not a championship, we're not that far away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, it's probably not, you know, a bad decision to rest him, um, especially if he's carrying a little bit of a knock. I think we've probably created more chances than I've seen us having recent games with Ronaldo starting. So didn't think it was a bad decision in the end. On the performance side, in terms of the way we went forward, and we can discuss the defensive aspect of things in a little bit. But going forward, I remember I was talking to Larry, and Larry can't join us. I know he's a little bit busy with work, but I'm sure he'll tune into this later. He messaged me towards the end of the first half and said, I told you we're much better without Ronaldo in terms of the way we play. And I thought we were playing better football. However, in my opinion, it wasn't down to Ronaldo not being there and Cavani being there. It was just, I thought there was more balance. I thought we lined up in almost a 4 2 3 1, not the 4 triple 2. I thought Bruno, while I think a lot of people on the ball will say he had a bad performance. I think Bruno being in the middle um, really did help us in terms of defensively and also going forward. So I think it was more just the personnel being in their proper positions. And like, because Cavani didn't do anything bad, but Cavani or Ronaldo up front, I don't think it changes anything in the way we played in that first half. No, no, so I mean, look, we'll go on to the player ratings later. But I thought Cavani, I thought he was, he had an average game, but I didn't think that was through his own doing. I thought it was more the service provided on, on the wide side with Greenwood and, and Rashford. Um, and in addition to that, you know, United started the game off really well, whether that's through good football or more Villa struggling to adapt to our, our formation in the first 10 minutes. You know, it's, it's one for a debate, really. But, you know, they started the game off really well and it proved to be the right decision. Yeah, definitely, Pearls. He's saying good win, but need to improve on Saturday. Alanga did well as a sub. Yeah, Alanga did come on and sort of did provide a spark. And Matt's saying the same thing here, Alanga and Rashford. On the weekend, and I'm just thinking there are two teams who are obviously going to criticise Man United or praise them, depending on what way you look at it and how you viewed the performance. But um, overall, there was a lot to sort of question about the performance. But as always, which we never like to sort of think of, there are there is an opposition. Aston Villa were quality. Well, I wouldn't say quality. I thought they were maybe just as careless. Maybe at the halftime could have been five all type things. And depends how the game goes. That's brilliant for Aston Villa or woeful for us. Depends on how you view it. But what did you make of Aston Villa? Because we did have five changes or five or six changes. I forget what it was. And Aston Villa were pretty much at full strength. And I thought if they had a striker, if they had a Cavani, or if they had a Ronaldo, we were in a bit of trouble in that first half because, yes, we were poor at times. But you have to give credit to Aston Villa. I thought they performed quite well. Yeah, but I think that's a, that's, you know, a testament to how they're playing at the moment, especially under Gerard. He, he seems to have instilled a lot of confidence in them, especially since... Um, you know, the former manager left the club and went to Norwich. They've, they've been playing quite well and the performances have sort of echoed, echoed that. And it wasn't really a surprise. I think a lot of us expected Aston Villa to turn up against us. I think they showed their intent, especially in the first couple of minutes, even though we were dominant in probably the first 10 minutes. I think one of the, one of our guys gave the ball away quite early on. And I think Ollie Watkins was through on a break and it just showed how, sort of showed their intention for the rest of the game. What's well, interesting, like, we've won 1-0 and it was so tight. On another day, that they scored two goals and VAR intervened and VAR sort of saves us. However, at the end of the day, both goals were correctly ruled offside, in my opinion. Second one it was clearly offside. There was no issues with that. But there was a little bit of controversy around the first one. And obviously, the referee even had to go over to the screen, which is almost unheard of in an offside decision. It's either black or white. He gets told if it's offside. or But the decision was whether it was a foul on Edison Cavani. Now, we can have a debate on whether it was a foul or wasn't a foul. I'm a Man United fan. I'll say it was a foul on Cavani. But if the referee does assume that is a foul, it's the correct decision because what he started in an offside position then interfered in play. So, obviously, you're probably going to agree with me because we're Man United fans. But did you agree that that was the right call or were you a little bit nervous when he was looking at the screen? 
I was nervous when he was looking at the screen for the offside. Um, it didn't, you know, when they were showing the replays with VAR, there didn't seem to be any debate over whether it was a foul on, on Cavani. It was more whether, um, I think it was Ollie Watkins touched the ball to play Tyrone Mings uh, through, whether they were offside. And it seems to be running that replay over and over. And I can't really tell from the replay whether he did touch the ball. And um, they were saying he did. But when they went to look at the screen, I think he just maybe changed the decision and thought, you know what, that was a foul. And in all honesty, Cavani only had eyes on one place, and that was to cover the man that was playing, you know, the ball out wide. The defender who was on him or whoever the player was that was on him, I thought he should have been booked for it in all honesty because there's no intention whatsoever to to play. And he's obviously not looking to play the ball because it's a free kick. He's literally looking to take him out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I had no issues with that. Well, obviously, because it did benefit us. But um, yeah, it was a clear foul for me. All foul slash offside. Obviously, if it was us, disagree. Yeah. If it was him, yeah. she was on the other foot. No, definitely, one hundred percent. I've just seen a few comments on um, both George, uh, both Georges. Sorry, um, in the comments talking about wingers and Rashford and Greenwood and everything. We might as well go to the man, Josh. Um, make sure in the live chat you get your comments in on Marcus Rashford because we're going to dissect everything that's happening now. Just bring his photo up here. Um, Josh, this is a weird. What is happening? This isn't form. This goes beyond form. So I'm just thinking, what do you think is happening? Because, okay, Mason Greenwood, he can be out of form, or Paul Pogba can be out of form. Alex Tellez can be out of form. This goes beyond form with Rashford. There is a worrying sign here, and you have to be concerned about what's happening. He just looks like he just doesn't want to play. Or I know a lot. There's a lot of jokes going around saying, "Oh, he's forgotten how to play football," but it just looks like he's lost every little bit of core value you need to succeed as a footballer, whether that's motivation, you know, ambition, resilience, you know, determination. He's lost all them key fundamental, non-negotiable basics. And I think what's worrying is you get someone like Alanga, who's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be a fantastic player. But, you know, is he going to, is he the long-term or even a short-term answer straight away? That's one for debate because he's not had the game time to sort of prove that. But, you put someone like that in at the moment, it's an irrational. You can't argue with it because he's got those core values. You saw that in probably the five minutes he came on today, but he really wants to play Ilanga. And that's something that Rashford's lacking at the moment. And you have players like that compared to Rashford. It's hard to justify why they're not playing and why he's get consistently getting game after game. I think you tweeted out, you know, straight after the game, this is far beyond football. This is Rashford needing like a break. And maybe that is the answer. You just need some time away to stop playing football, and it's like I know we've just had a, you know a COVID outbreak, at, you know at United, and you think oh, he's had a break there, he's had time to regroup, but is that the answer? Like, does he, does he need longer? Just, yeah, well, I, I'm not sure if there is an answer. To, it's just hard to justify him playing, and it's it's really frustrating. There was one moment in the second half, I think Greenwood played him through, and he just stopped, and you heard the whole crowd just do him. Yeah. And I'm, I've, I've never, you know, I've been to many United games at Old Trafford and I've seen diabolical performances from the likes of, say, Fellaini, for an example, and he's got he's got booed. I'd never boo a United player. But I tell you what, if I was there tonight, I'd find it hard not to react to that. And, you know, when he came off, the, when he when he got substituted off, him and Fernandez, I don't think Fernandez, you know, had his worst game tonight. But when he cuts the, the video of them two on the bench, you know, a picture paints a thousand mm. words. Well, just on that, in regards to... A couple of years ago, the only time a Manchester United fan would ever, in a sentence, bring up the word body language, we maybe did it two or three times a season, and it was about Martial or Pogba. 
it was a one discussion once a season. We talked, oh, he's got, he could maybe improve his body language. Since Ralph Rangick has come in, we can't throw a sentence together without including the word body language. It's funny how the brain works in terms of something sort of catches and it sticks and was, we can't have a conversation about any Man United player at the moment without mentioning body language. So I'm kind of sick of it. However, my God, Marcus Rashford does paint that picture. And maybe there obviously is something in what Ralph Rangick is talking about because the, what you'd mentioned that sitting on the bench. He did look defeated, and that's why, look, I've criticised him so much on here and online and everything, but it's gone beyond that stage for me. I, I want to almost stop criticising him because and just almost not forget about him, but just not mention him because it's not worth it. As I said, this is going beyond football. Um, I'm not, not worried for his health or anything like that, but he's got something big going on in his life because football doesn't look like he, he's just not enjoying it. And obviously Marcus Rashford is usually someone who is playing with a smile on his face. And you, you look back a couple of months when Solskjaer made those quotes, which were taken out of context, but he did go along the lines of saying he needs to now concentrate on his football. He has done great work outside, but now he needs to concentrate on his football. And while they were taken out of context by Solskjaer, take it back and just take it literally, there is something in that now because football is not, it doesn't look like Marcus Rush's number one focus. And to succeed at Man United, it needs to be a number one focus. Exactly. And there can't be room for passengers at the moment. And every time he's on a pitch, I feel like he's a passenger. I thought Greenwood and, and Rashford today had similar games. You know, similar. You, you've probably given them similar ratings. Probably Rashford slightly worse. But if you look at if you look at both of them in the game, at least Greenwood, it's just one of them games where it probably just wasn't working out for him. He had a lot of you know he, he had a lot of one on ones which succeeded, but in terms of the final ball, it just wasn't coming for Greenwood. Whereas Rashford today, he just looked off the pace in every single factor. He had a good first 10 minutes when Villa were trying to probably suss him out, suss the formation out. After that, he just looked really disengaged, disinterested. It's just, it's hard. Last, I don't want to repeat myself, but it's hard to justify him starting every game when you've got someone like Alanga that shows the hunger, may not have the experience, but play a risk. It's someone that wants to play. All you ask for is someone to run, make the effort. And Alanga showed that in the five, he showed more in that five minutes what Rashford showed all season. Yeah, no, definitely. Just to, actually, before we get on, in terms of again, for me, it's going beyond football. He needs to be taken out. This is no longer Rashford's issue. This is Ralph Rangnick and the club's issue. Drop him, like the discussion we've had, had with Harry Maguire. Drop him, take the captaincy off him. Whatever. It's not Harry Maguire's fault now. It has gone beyond that. And with Rashford, that his form now, okay, unfortunate, but it needs to be taken out of his hands. And Ralph Rangnick needs to drop him, or the club need to say go Dubai for two weeks and just sort of sun yourself up sort of thing. Because in regards to a football thing, I do strip it back to football. When you are playing as bad as he is, there are little things you do and little things that come with experience. And he's an experienced player now. What did he make his debut in 2016? He's been, he's been around a while now. He's played a lot of games. He's an experienced professional. When you're having a game like that or a patch of form like this, but especially just an isolated 90 minutes, you need to go and just... When he makes a mistake, he thinks the next thing he needs to do is go beat four men and put in the top corner, and that'll make up for it. It's the last thing you need to do. When you're having a game like this, go and make a two-yard pass first. That is the first thing you need to do. Look at when Ronaldo's not in the game. He's not going to try and go past four or five people. He's going to pick the ball up off the centre back and just make a pass. That'll give him a little bit of confidence. I remember I used to play sort of high up pitch and sort of like a number 10 role when I was a little bit younger. If, if I had a couple of bad shots or a couple of bad passes... I'd go and get the ball off my goalkeeper and just play it back to him. Just say, yep, I've completed a pass. So there's something positive I can build on. Where Marcus Rashford, he misplaces a pass, says, give me the ball again, and I'll try a harder pass to make up for it. And he's just digging himself a hole, which just, just isn't working. But um, a few comments in here. Matt saying less fancy haircuts, more goals. I thought saw one from a Matt, a good one. 
Um, someone on Twitter said he looks like a pint of Guinness <laughs> with the haircut. Uh, not a bad one, no matter like that. Um, Jamie, I know it's been discussed a lot, but he's such a low work rate, which, look, I hate to call out because he, he is someone who obviously does love the club, but you, the work rate is something you do have to call out. I've been saying it for a while, and a lot of people no haven't agreed with me. No point in saying it, but there's no hunger in his game. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't mean that it's, it's from a food chat, but it's, uh, there's literally no hunger in his game. He doesn't help himself as well. I, mean, I think he reacted on social media this week and said, look, I've been quiet for quite a while, but I just want to say, like, we're, we're hurting inside, you know. So we, we, you know, we're really disappointed with results, but that's not what the fans want to hear. We've had this, you know, you and Larry have had this argument about social media and players, you know, taking account on like Twitter. But I don't believe a single word any player says on Twitter. That was epitomised this week when Fred posted something on Twitter. He doesn't speak a word of English. To a start. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm not buying. I'm not buying that. But Rashford as well. I don't want to hear that. You know, they want to be better. I expect that they want to be better. And what I want to hear is an apology for the fans that pay good money to go and watch him every week and there's no accountability. And yeah, we yeah, look, I know we, we say Maguire comes out and Shaw comes out and we take the mick at how disengaging Shaw is and Maguire comes out and they'll get a lot of abuse, but he's the captain, you expect him to come out. People like Ronaldo need to be cropping abuse as well. Yeah, he's, he's been great for us, but he's a senior player. Show some, show some accountability after defeat instead of just going around the tunnel. Speak to the press. I know you don't want to. It's the last thing you want to do, but the fans would buy into it more from someone like him speaking, knowing that he cares as well. The, it doesn't just come from Maguire. It comes from everyone. Yeah, no, definitely. George here, just before we move on, George saying, we've just seen that Rashford has limited ability in previous years. He's just absolutely maximised his limited ability, but had a bad day. But a bad day for him today was still a bad day for him three years ago. I think it'll be very interesting. I just saw a compilation of Wayne Rooney's time at United. And there's the argument that Wayne Rooney was sort of burnt out by the time he was sort of in the late 20s. It'll be very interesting. Fingers crossed Rash returns it around and has a great career at United. I still think there's many questions I have over him. I think he could be a Man United legend sort of thing. I really think he has that in him. However, it will be interesting because quite similar sort of trajectories in terms of the way they did burst onto the scene. It'll be interesting to see how they do pan out. But... Um, Rob saying he's at the 14-15 kit. Um, yes, it is. Um, the Chevrolet just completely sort of went white. No, it's, it looks a little bit yellow, just completely white. I don't know what happened there, but I'm really glad the Chevrolet logo is almost off. But um, we'll move on um, towards the midfield a little bit further back and look, fingers crossed things turn around for Marcus Rashford on and off the pitch. But at the moment, it needs to be taken out of his hands. He can't, be, can't play football for Man United. It's not helping the football team and it's not helping him personally. We'll move on to midfield and a lot of the look. The midfield duo, McFred, won us the game at the end of the day, and they did send us through to the yeah. fourth round of the FA Cup. However, in terms of the way the game panned out, we could have a look at the midfield sort of so-called battle and say, well, Aston Villa dominated us. And if they dominated, sort of dominated us, we're looking at Fred and McTominay having a poor game and not being able to control the midfield. And since Ralph Frankie has come in, one of the things we've sort of been so focused on is controlling midfield, and it's something we've just completely lacked. Um, I just want your thoughts on Fred and McTominay because they get blamed with losing the midfield battle Yes, they're not two players who are going to sort of dominate midfields in Europe and sort of push us forward to win in Champions League or win in Premier League titles, but I always feel they get a little bit hard done by when we get overrun in midfield. I think, I remember when I used to play midfield, sometimes it does look like you're getting overrun and people are saying, oh, you've got to do more in midfield. I'm thinking, well, hang on. If Bruno Fernandes is not, is not defending in front of the striker, they won't be able to play into their number six and suddenly we're not overloaded. If Marcus Rashford isn't letting the ball come into midfield, well, suddenly we're in a better position. But so much of the midfield battle is won and lost by the things that are happening around the midfield before the ball gets in there. 
And um, that's not to defend Fred and McTominay in terms of some of their limitations. Obviously, they need, need to improve. But um, I think it's more of a structural thing than just the individuals not being good enough. But we'll just have your thoughts on the way the midfield did pan out? I thought for the first 10 minutes, I thought Fred McTominay did their job superbly. And it, obviously, that accumulated into the goal. I think that was, I think what needs credit is obviously McTominay finished it with a header, but the, the cross from Fred was spectacular. Well, Fred's, Fred's got that in him. I always say it like, when he when he plays it like that, or when he has a shot like that, he's got beautiful technique. It looks unreal. He just think, just do that more often, Fred, please. Yeah, exactly. And I, look, I don't know if we got found out a little bit after the goal, or Villa got a little bit used to the way they were setting up and sort of pulled their finger out themselves. But it's just it was it's a tale of two a tale of two sides really for Fred, or two halves, should I say? In that his first touch and his passing at times was extremely woeful. I mean, there were times in the game where you just thought Fred sometimes is what United, you know, we do need McFred, but at times you're thinking, you know, how could he justify it when he can't get the basics of just 10-yard passes right? It was, you know, it was extremely woeful at times. Yeah, no, I can't disagree. And it'll be interesting. Um, actually, we'll, we'll go on to Scott McTominay now that we're at it. We're going, I'm going to talk a little bit about Scott McTominay. And if you have clicked on the video, you obviously have read the title. Um, Ralph Rangie obviously has suggested that um, Scott McTominay could be potentially the next Manchester United captain. Now, before we get into this, I can almost hear people in the live chat saying, hey, he shouldn't be a captain. We're just going to dissect the comments and just sort of have a discussion about it. So try and be sensible. Um, we're not stripping Harry Maguire just yet. A, a lot of people would like that. Um, but we're not giving it 21 yet because we had a few captains today. Obviously, Bruno was on, then David De Gea was on type thing. If Ronaldo was there, Ronaldo would have been captain. So it is a discussion. It is prevalent, especially with Harry Maguire's form and sort of well, lack of presence. He obviously wasn't there. But I'll just bring up a quote from um, Ralph Rangnick saying, this is Ralph speaking of the BBC after the game. Um, he's an academy boy. His energy is amazing. He now also starts scoring goals um, and also with some leadership skills. I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years he would be the captain of his team. And I'm just thinking you do have to put a little bit of weight in this now because Ralph Rangnick, I don't know how this situation will turn out in terms of his consultancy role, but he is someone who on paper should be going and making football decisions for the future in this year, next year, and years to come type thing. So that type of opinion by Ralph Rangnick has a little bit bit of weight behind it. Now, we'll dissect little parts of is he a suitable captain type thing, but just your thoughts when he did come out with this type of praise post-match? Definitely got the attitude of a captain. Give him that, you know, he's, he's got the right, for someone that, for someone quite young, he's not, you know, tempted by the things off the pitch that can get you distracted. His, his head always seems to be in the game. I know he had a terrible game against Wolves, but overall, collectively, he doesn't really produce majorly bad performances where someone like Fernandez, who has, you know, world-class quality in him, you've alluded to it many times, just the, the amount of times he can give the ball away and be, be woeful and have those two out of 10 games. He just doesn't have the consistency to be a captain. At least someone like McTominay, you know, he's got the right temperament, the right attitude, great energy. He's a manager's dream. He was for Jose. He was for Ole. He was, he, he is, should I say, for Ranjik. And look, whoever comes in next, you know, there's debates around Pochettino. You seem to think Tuchel. They could buy into McTominay as well. I mean, at this point of time, if I'm being completely honest, I'd take the captaincy off Maguire just for, for I think, just thinking to improve his overall round game and get the confidence back that we need for an £80 million centre-back. And I'm dead against this. I always have been. I never like the idea of a goalkeeper being captain, but I think the only option at the moment is for De Gea. Been at the club since, you know, he's won a title. He's seen seven managers, I think around about seven managers since that title reign. He knows the difficulties we've been through and he, he, he's a leader and he's always calm and collected. At the time, I think he's our, at the time now, I think he's our best option. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting. I'll just go through a little bit of the comments from the live chat before I give my two cents. But I'm mad saying who obviously we're both big fans of Scott McTominay. Let's give the boy our boy an armband. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's definitely worth a discussion. Uh, McTominay shouldn't be captain. This isn't Sydney FC from George. Um, Trev here saying, has McTominay ever been chucked out of the back? I wouldn't mind seeing him have a go as a ball playing center. He obviously plays there for Scotland in a three-man. Um, yeah. he, he plays there. He, He's obviously filled in once or twice at United, just sort of maybe the last 20 minutes here or there, or he actually started one or two games under Jose Mourinho, and he can fill in. Um, but I think when you do see his strength in the last couple of weeks, he's getting forward. You don't want him closer to his own goal. You do want him affecting games at the other end of the pitch. And George here saying, as limited as, as McTominay is, we've never questioned his work ethic. Um, it's never caused trouble in the dressing room. And I think that's my thing. Look, nothing more would please me than to see Scott McTominay as captain. I, I think it would be brilliant. No one was criticised, or everyone... All Liverpool fans hated Jordan Henderson at this stage of his Liverpool career where he wasn't good enough for Liverpool, let alone captain the team. Now he's a club legend type thing. Now, it's an interesting sort of comparison in terms of their career progression at the time, how long they sort of took to sort of win fans over. I'm not going to say Scott McTominay is going to go on to have that career. But the reason, look, I would love him to be captain. The reason I would sort of steer away from it, Josh, is the main reason, almost had this debate with Ander Herrera as well. I thought Ander Herrera was a potential captain for United. However, in my opinion... If the club are doing the right thing by the club and sort of the transfer market and investing, I like Scott McTominay, but if we do the right thing in the transfer market, we should be buying a player which has Scott McTominay on the bench. Then you can't have your captain on the bench type thing. Uh, I think if we want to be a title-winning squad or a Champions League-winning squad, I think Scott McTominay's role is off the bench in like Phil Neville, Nicky Butt, John O'Shea type role, which is such so important. It's almost... They're the crucial players. They're, they're the ones who do win you those titles type thing. But um, I think long-term, if we do get who we need in midfield to progress to the next level, unfortunately, that's going to limit Scott McTominay's game time, which is a good thing uh, overall if we want, do want to improve. That's the main reason I'd be sick and away from sort of giving Scott McTominay the permanent armband because we're looking at Harry Maguire now, 80 million pound signing, and we're making a case, well, he shouldn't be playing. So why is he the captain type thing? So I, I think it's a dangerous thing trying to give it to Scott McTominay at the moment. It's a dangerous sport, but you know we have we have all of us as fans have so many opinions. I mean, I think ninety nine percent of people in his comments don't believe that you know McFred should be starting those games. Yet the past two managers uh, and Mourinho to an extent with Scott believe them. You know they're, they're starting eleven credentials most games. So it shows sometimes goes to show what we know as, as you know mm. as fans, but. I think going forward, you're probably correct in that statement. It's, look, it's not what we want as fans. We want better quality midfielders. But in essence, what's going to happen next year? We're going to get those quality midfielders that keep McTominay on the bench. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. We don't really look like an attractive prospect to join at the moment uh, as mm -hmm. a club to join. But you know what? United attracted decent players after Moyes, um, especially when we're in, when we're in the uh, Europa League. Well, George here is saying, how would he control the players that are better than him? Um, doesn't make sense. Which, look, I understand that argument, but you go back to Roy Keane, and Roy Keane always made the argument to be a good captain, you have to be the best player. Now, Roy Keane has openly admitted, if you look at the 11 players on the field, as great as Roy Keane was, he was criminally underrated as a footballer. Overall, if you do look at the squad, especially the midfield going forward, he was our weakest player. That's, that's not to criticise him. That's a daft comment. That's a real daft comment. But, but, sorry. Roy Keane, look, I agree, but Roy Keane was brilliant, but yes, there was... 10 better players than him. Like, and he, he was very good, but um, it does come down to no, no, attitude. No, no, your comment. That comment, um, that comment from, on the thing. Oh, oh, yeah. No, look, look I, I don't agree with it, but, but I, I can understand the um, the thinking. that Because like, Roy Keane has made the comment that you need to be the best player, but I think Roy Keane 
there's a little bit of a different context. But um, look, I'm definitely not saying give it to Scott McTominay, but he's, if you do look at attributes and sort of start point scoring amongst the squad, he's got to be a leading candidate. Um, maybe long-term, two, three years down the track, as I said, in the transfer market, if we do, do improve, that knocks him down the pecking order, which sort of would he- would sort of make me hesitant in giving him the captain's armband at the moment. But it is interesting. But we will move on to the main part of the podcast, always after a match review. Scott, the 3-2... Um, Scott? Josh, I was talking about Scott McTominay. <laughs> but 3-2-1's um, interesting be. one. <laughs> well, David De Gea, I think he'll play part. I, I didn't think at full-time. I thought, yeah, McTom- um, David De Gea won't sort of really feature in these, but I just watched the highlights. And he's far more busy than I actually thought. So it'll be interesting if he does pop up in the 3-2-1s. Where do you want to start? Look, Scott Matomide, he's a match winner at the end of the day, and I thought he performed quite well. A few sloppy bits, of course, but I thought he performed well. The only other rival for me would be Rafael Varane. I thought Rafael Varane would play his not best performance in the United shirt, but it was a dominant display, especially with Lindelof. Lindelof was a little bit shaky at times. I thought Varane really didn't put a foot wrong. Yeah, I think especially in the second half, Varane probably had one of his stronger games at United. Probably one of his best games at United, if I'm being honest, especially if you, if you just put, put the second half into consideration. Um, I think the three two ones are really easy for me. Really, really set in stone. I think there's only three players that you can debate, and arguably they all have a case for three. Could all have a case for two. Could all have a case for one. And that's Scott De Gea and Varane. Yeah, I no, I think the only I'm not, I'm not putting him forward. I'm not putting this player forward for points. But um, I thought he made a difference. Not not him personally made a difference, but you can see why Ralph Rangnick is maybe favouring Diego Delo. Delo wasn't brilliant, but in terms of the midfield being able to have an out ball on the right hand side. I think we're far more confident in just having the ball here, not knowing what to do. Okay, we'll switch it to Diego Delo because he'll be able to do something with That's Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Sometimes the midfielder gets it and think, oh, hang on, do I really want to play that? What's he going to be able to do with the ball? And that moment of hesitation really slows the play down in midfield. But having that confidence in your right back to be able to just play a ball out to him, again, that, that wasn't um, in terms of giving Diego Delo points. I just think in regards to the way he allowed us to play compared to Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you can understand why. Uh, Ralph Rangi is moving in that direction. But I'll go through some comments here in regards to um, 3 2 ones. George saying three for Varane, De Gea, and McTominay. Rob going De Gea, Scott, and Varane. George, Varane, De Gea, McTominay. Well, all the same names, all the diff- few different orders. Pearl saying De Gea, Scott, and Varane. Matt here with Varane, De Gea, and Anthony Langer for a point. Maybe a little bit frustration with Marcus Rashford. But look, I'd like to see Langer get a start eventually. And I don't think he'll start away in the league. But um, he's definitely above Marcus Rashford for me. And Ahmad Gaon, Varane, De Gea, and McTominay. I'm surprised he hasn't gone McTominay for 10 points, but he has opted for Rafael Varane. Look, I wouldn't be giving De Gea three points. I thought McTominay was a match winner and Varane performed very well. And on another day, we lose the game without Rafael Varane. Um, you could say that about De Gea, of course, as well. But um, I think it's a shoot. I think De Gea would be one point for me. But as a guest, I'll let you choose your three points and split them between um, Varane and McTominay. Unless you're adamant yeah, De Gea should, should be getting more. No, De Gea 100% is my one, my one point. He made some good saves today, but again, that's probably saves I expect him to make as a keeper. They weren't, you know, necessarily difficult. There was one, which was, I think, thought was really well dealt with from Cash, but the rest, I thought, very typically, you know, I'd be upset if he went in, put it that way. But he did his job, you know, he, he had to work more than probably you thought when he watched the game the first time around. So De Gea is my one point, and then for three, I'd probably go for my Tamaday because in essence, he won us the game. But having said that, I thought Varane you know, had a really good game. So it was, it was a close second for Varane for me. Yeah, no, look, I, I think that's what I'll be alluding to, McTominay, Varane, and David De Gea, and a lot of people had that in the chat as well. But um, pretty much does wrap up this match review. Um, a lot to dissect, obviously, the Rashford news or Rashford situation. 
um, the McTominay captaincy debate with Ralph Rangnick, which I'm sure will spark a lot of debate over the next couple of days. And in the next couple of days, we obviously do have another Aston Villa game to go ahead to. But um, George saying here, can we please talk about Arsenal and Newcastle? Um, yeah, well, I could do a whole podcast, no, nothing more. Everyone said, oh, the FA Cup, let's rotate, rest. As I said, I love the FA Cup. Like Newcastle and Arsenal are out. Um, Arsenal, sorry, not Arsenal, but Newcastle can now just concentrate on their relegation battle. Um, no FA Cup to distract them. And Arsenal doing what Arsenal does. Obviously, they do have a great history in the FA Cup, unfortunately. But um, it was great to see them go out. And so, Josh, just your thoughts on the FA Cup as a whole, because it does have a little bit of, I wouldn't say frustration. Oh, definitely not in my case, but in terms of the narrative around it, it's a real sort of hurdle in people's week. They, they don't really like it type thing. They think, oh, God, we've got the FA Cup to deal with. Um, make sure no injuries or rotate the squad where, in my opinion, this is why you go full strength in the FA Cup because suddenly we've got Middlesbrough. Suddenly you should be able to beat Middlesbrough. If you get another team like that in the fifth round and quarter final, suddenly you're in a semi-final. So um, I think you go for all out for it, in my opinion. Desperate need for a trophy. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to some of the boys. I watched the game with today and, and we said the magic of the FA Cup, it, it has gone in the past 10 years. I don't know whether that's due to, obviously, Wembley changing the format, you know, the the loss of neutral ground for the semi-final. But I actually like it this year. I, like, I felt what's impacted a lot of games. I mean, we still used some quality games on the Saturday. I think there was one game where it was like 5-4 or something between a, um, a lower league team and a, like a championship team. There's been some fantastic games. Um, and I think what's aiding that is the fact that they're not doing replays. I don't know whether that's due to COVID or just due to like the, the amount of games at the moment. I think that's a really good format. And it probably echoed how the game panned out today because Villa probably would have been very happy to sit back, play for the replay and, you know what, play United for the third time in probably four weeks, mm. um, you know, in a very congested game, but it sort of made the format of the game a lot better. And, it, and I think that was, that was a, you know, a consequence of the uh, end-to-end format. I've seen a mad comment there, Churchill Sports Bar is, uh, yeah, it's very good. Very good. I'll tell you one thing though as well. I saw the, one of the player ratings today and they uh, rated... You don't really give any ratings to substitutions that have come on for like six minutes of the game, but he gave Jack Lingard a five because he, uh, he's now cup tied himself. Well, that, that was my thing before. The, well, before the game, I was thinking that and I was thinking, uh, who do I want to come on, Jesse Lingard or one Matter? And I was thinking just to myself, I didn't say it to anyone because I didn't know if that rule sort of still applied in the FA Cup. And I was thinking, well, hang on, if I'm manager here, we throw on Jesse Lingard on in injury time just to say if he does move to West Ham and we get West Ham in a quarter final or semi final. Weak and West Ham here. So I thought that was, I don't know if that's Ralph Rangnick's thinking, um, but in my opinion, that did cross my mind. So I'd like to think I knew what I was thinking about, but, um, and yeah. Ralph Rangnick did agree. But um, it was the right George, decision for me. very predictable as well, isn't it? I mean, Man City get an easy championship team, as, as we expect. It's uh, well, no surprise. Fifth round, fifth round or quarter final, we're away at Stanford Bridge. I've already marked that in the calendar. Uh, we're always away at Chelsea. Yeah. Away at Chelsea or away at Leicester, one of them. Um, and, and City we'll will have. We'll next round as well. Wolves, are they still in it? Uh, Leicester still in it? I think Leicester one type thing. But, um, well, Matt, we can save this doom and gloom for a little bit later, Matt. I'm concerned about Middlesbrough. We'll have that discussion and moan in a few weeks' time whenever the tie is. But um, hopefully everyone did enjoy it. Um, see, we have discussed a win and three, not three points, but progression in the cup, which is always good. If you are happy, we are through. And Manchester United are back to winning ways. Please do leave a like on the video. That would be great. As said, Larry and I will be back in a couple of days, Thursday or something, with a preview of the um, Aston Villa League game. And obviously, we'll probably touch on a few little transfer stories here or there. So if you could subscribe, that would be great. Um, Josh, always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. I mean, it doesn't feel like we won today. I need to get inside my I'm happy. Oh, I feel like 
I know, I don't know whether it's like people kicking off or I just like how early I woke up for this game. I don't know, just feel like we won, but I need to get into that mentality, a win to win, through to the next round. You know, these, these tournaments, performance doesn't really mean anything. We shouldn't really be complaining. So happy days on to Middlesbrough. Yeah. Definitely, if anyone can tell me how United performed against teams like Shrewsbury when we won the FA Cup last time again in the 14, was it 15, no, 15-16 season, teams like that. Um, who else do we have? I think we had Derby type thing in the FA Cup. So no one remembers had, those we had, performances. Uh, we had Yeovil on a, on a Friday night. How, I yeah. mean, how, how harsh is that on fans? Everyone yeah. <laughs> described Yeovil on a Friday night for the FA Cup. Criminal. Uh, definitely. Matt here, just last comment for you. Great show, guys, as always. I do appreciate all the support. We really do. Um, and Thursday, we'll chat to you a little bit more football, a little bit more United. Um, hopefully, Larry will be with us. But um, until then, take care and chat to you then. See ya. See ya.